Good morning, everyone. I'm Mel. And I'm Pippa. We're the creators and editors of Earth Rights, the podcast and platform that focuses on the connection between human rights and environmental issues. Just a quick message before we begin. The views and research presented on this podcast are either our own or referenced on our website, www.earthrights.co.uk. We generally always record a few weeks ahead of release, so some facts or situations may have changed during this time. Hi everyone, welcome back to Earthrights. Today we are here with Marquetta, who Mel used to live with while she was living in Prague. Um, Marquetta used to work as the social inclusion officer for the Czech government, but is currently a full-time mother to her new baby. Um, we are lucky to speak to be speaking to Marquetta um, because obviously at the moment there's loads going on in the Czech Republic and the system you know has many issues with corruption with issues with um, ex-Soviet police and there's a monopoly over many of the mainstream media channels um, but Marquetta's view on the Czech political system and its impact on mi- minority rights employment rights and the cr- and the climate crisis is honest and down to earth as someone who's worked all around the Czech Republic and in the government. We hope that this episode will shed some light on some of the issues surrounding the Czech Republic and some of the issues and lasting legacies of a post-Soviet corruption. Um, Because I know that certainly when Mel and I first got to Prague, we knew very little about this kind of young nation and its convoluted and corrupt past. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a really interesting episode. Um, but first, Marketa, can you just like tell us a bit about yourself and um, about your kind of history, where you grew up and your background? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, uh, I will say that I'm like regular Czech in a way of like growing here um, since, um, I don't know, like third class in the school, we start to travel to Germany because it's our neighbor. So for me, like Czech as a mother tongue, and then German was my first foreign language. And uh, um, I'm from the Western part of Czech Republic that always uh, we were listening to the Western radios and there was a lot of punks and a lot of like uh, anti-system movement even uh, before the Velvet Revolution. So uh, the, the funny part when you spoke about like the youngest generation i will say even my generation no not so much about the history at all um basically you have like two parts of families one it's the the one they were good in a communist period and they are still like in a system and then you have some other parts uh that kind of uh, were not supported uh and uh, also a lot of families still, uh, let's say, not envy, but uh, the relationship are even nowadays not so like happy or clear. And uh, so in those families, I will say that there is more talk about the history and what actually happened, what happened in family itself. And I'm from the part that my grandfather worked for army and like everything was happy and nice. All my mother and her like sister, brother, everyone was really invited in any type of education. Um, and actually just when I started uh, university in Prague, I started to observe uh, how it actually was because um, we were like, when we went for some trip or whatever, we visited the church. So it wasn't like 
that we joined mass or something, but we just actually visited as some like memorial or like nice place. Uh, if I can speak just few words about my education background, I'm as a high school, I finished a school for nurse. And then because it's really hard work, uh, I decided to go more in a, let's say, talking part that uh, included a social work. So I work uh, with a lot of uh, Roma families in Prague, but actually I work in Prague for, and because of some residential issues uh, with housing, a lot of families during period I worked there, which was like 2004, 2006, slowly they were moving in different neighborhoods, more in the periphery when the rent were lower and so on. So then in the same area, uh, there was a lot of uh, Vietnamese children. So I work with the Vietnamese community. And uh, as you mentioned at the start in, um, let's say 2016, 17, I started work for the government. I was actually in some uh, project body based on the money from Europe Union that uh, supported the social inclusion of different minorities. And uh, that time I was helping with the regional plans uh, on the integration and uh, inclusion in the school system. And I'm, let's say, part-time mother <laughs> because I work for the Prague City Hall nowadays. I think um, Marquette, uh, for me, has had a really big effect on my life. As I'm an oldest child, she actually has kind of, in my mind, become my big sister and taught me so much um, when I lived with her. Um, but we had a lot of fun together. And even in the first weekend, we were out foraging with Sita for mushrooms to make soup with and had many conversations over Marquetta, your famous herbal teas. <laughs> I think what's quite striking as well is that Marquetta allowed me to stay because um, certainly my impression of people in the Czech Republic was that quite a lot of people are a little bit hostile to foreigners and maybe even in comparison to Marquetta's husband Jaromir, Marquetta was the really international open one and so living with you was a real honour um, and actually I remember last week when we were just chatting Marquetta you we're saying about the recent population census. I mean, do you consider yourself as a Czech through and through, or like, is there a kind of mixed mixed opinion on that? For me, it was quite nice option because in that census there was the uh, opportunity to choose two nationalities. So, first, as a first, I like noticed as Czech, and but then definitely I felt more as a European because. A lot of Czechs, like in a typical way, even the result of election and so on, I'm not like feeling as a part of this society. I'm living here, but uh, I don't, I'm definitely not a member or part of the mainstream. I, I know it. And uh, also my social bubble, it's more international. I trying even for my English because uh, uh, I, I never study English at school. I, I learned it just by like traveling and talking with people and like speaking with Melanie and so on. So I take it like a exchange a lesson that someone teach me English and then I can explain something more about the Czech background or the way how people think. 
And the fact that there is this kind of strong sense of nationalism among the majority population and this sort of ambivalence with the minority population, um, I think we should start with maybe some context as to the background of the Czech Republic. So obviously, the Czech Republic is actually a very new state. It, it used to be part of part of Czechoslovakia until the two were split after the fall of the Soviet Union. And before then, Czechoslovakia had experienced invasions by the Nazis, by the Russians. And prior to that, it was actually part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So, I mean, it's perhaps not surprising that there is a sort of hostility to foreigners um, because Czech people have undergone a lot of in invasions of their space. And Marquez, you might have a different opinion on this, but... Yeah, basically the revolution and its legacy still lives on. And I remember you, when we were speaking um, in Prague, you were mentioning that the Czech system was actually built during the Soviet time. So the modern day Czech system that exists now was established during the Soviet period. But I just wondered whether that happened during the Prague Spring in 1968. We, we spoke about it many times, but... I think that there are like two routes. One is this Hungarian, Austrian that um, actually established our education system that worked till today. And it's really based on the, let's say, workers. In, even in a school, it's 2021. And uh, there are a lot of like innovative education methods. And one of them is like critic analysis. And uh, many teachers, uh, they don't want to teach it at the school. And my opinion is the reason it's because they actually don't know what is it or they don't use it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like so it's really hard to teach something that you if you can't um, use it. So one thing is this like way of uh, workers in different like factories. And the second was that they are definitely we were part of the uh, Soviet Union. And it was this like five year plans, 10 years plans and uh, all like intellectual and people were like out of the system. They were in this like camps. Uh, also, their children has like no um, access to education. Many people emigrate. So I think it's really hard to find leaders like uh, the natural le leaders. They have some, let's say, like charisma or something because uh, you are more uh, learn and teach not to be different. And uh, it's really good if no one remember you because like if you are part of the group, it's fine. Also there's like uh, friendship <laughs> that you should be friend with everyone. You should not um, like blame someone or uh, criticize even your boss or and so I think this is still in like people mind and it's also one of the things why we have now Mr. Babish as a prime minister because he was um, and definitely it's a proof that he was the state agent and he was a member of the secret police and because of um, not super clear folders you can't find folder that is right this is Babish uh, he's always trying to defend himself that he was not member, but there are also a lot of witness. Um, I think that even on internet, you can find a lot of information about it. And uh, 
the way how the propaganda works and like that many fair tales and like uh, movies and stuff they were like promoted in tv that time even nowadays are really like popular people like it people watch it at christmas people watch it always so um all the private tvs they, this idea of like friendship with everyone and like uh doing something together but not the way like you are asking how much it costs or like uh, what should be at the end mm -hmm. but like you should definitely follow the orders if we can go to some like milestones in our history that definitely may the way how the czech or czechoslovakian or czechian uh, personality it's developed it's that there were many um war situation that we always give up for um at the start of the second world war we were there were even not any possibility to defend czech republic so i think um there is no victory day or something that actually we can say people were fighting for their nation mm. and uh, i'm definitely not any expert of history but i know that even this talk in the pubs you know when people are chatting about different things um we are pretty sure as a czech that we should do something different but like just the history um there were like no possibility for us to show the power and then there were also big milestone it's like this prague spring in 1968 uh there was the russian invasion and uh, there were few people trying to do something even in the radio and there some action but uh yeah this time they were like actually no way how to deal with it because there were a lot of tanks and weapons uh on our area still like the Velvet revolution and even it lasted like one year uh then all the russians went out because uh there were so like hundreds thousands of them so it wasn't so easy to kick them off immediately and uh till now that i will say that there is really big influence um from the russian and we are feeling not so independent yeah i know that uh, with melanie we, we spoke about some like brave people like jan palach or the others that actually show that there is some individual freedom or like they were trying to show their um sincere dissatisfaction and yes and I mean, he uh, he burned himself, didn't he? Yes, but also, as I know, the propaganda in our land put it in different contexts in the news. And after the Velvet Revolution, it lasts really long time until the story really like came how it was because there was some movie and some interviews with him before he died. Uh, he was burned. Um, I think it was like 60 or 70 percent of the body. So he burned himself, and in two days he died. But there were some students recording some interviews to ask him why he did it and so on. Mm -hmm. And even the family was not allowed to put him in a grave. So uh, also they were under the secret police many years after his death because they were expecting some West invasion, you know, like that it wasn't his act, but that someone make him to do that. 
And obviously you mentioned a bit there about the current president, um, but can you like give us a bit more political background about the current situation in the Czech Republic? Yeah, yeah. That uh, Like we have president and then we have prime minister and like I will say both of them. <laughs> we will speak about them. It will be for ages. Are kind of interesting how corruption and cooperation with Russian works. But if I can briefly say something that Zem- Miloš Zeman, uh, current uh, president, he was one of those like uh, made politician after the Velvet Revolution. But all of those guys, they were people from the prognostic institution. So they were definitely, you know, member of the Communist Party and so on. But they were young. So they kind of like step out and make all this economic transmission and so on. They cooperate with everyone. Then there was some time that uh, I, I'm actually not prepared to say which year he left the, like, let's say, parliament and when he came back. But let's say that actually he said that he will just become the regular senior. And after like five, seven years, he again shows up. So my opinion is that he just played this puppet role, you know, that his face was known. And like the people, they actually making this decision, no one will vote for them. So they just pick this guy from Visochina, which is some periphery of Czech Republic. And then like, because sometimes he was like funny or making some interesting comments, even my grandfather or my mother, they are thinking that he's really clever guy. And uh, he's really often in media. Nowadays, even as a president, he's making... uh, I think it's every Sunday interview and the TV. And he's not speaking, for example, with the Czech TV, with the public TV. So he's not giving some interviews or when there was this uh, dialogues before election, he was just like, uh, he said that he just want to visit the Czech TV twice and the others will be on the other TVs. And I know that he's uh, using this like reading system, you know, that like, you are looking in the camera, but behind it, it's the system that you can read it. Like karaoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I understand that the, the my grandparents or the other people, they, they don't know how the media work, you know. Mm. So they are thinking that it's like his actual thought. He's mm. definitely using that, that stuff. And uh, it's almost the same with the prime minister. Um, <laughs> my opinion is that one of the reasons why he went to politics is that uh, he's in so many corruption cases that he was looking for this immunity that you yeah. have as a politician. But I think that nowadays it's like 60% of the printed media that he's owning. The funny thing is that he made this fund. So he's actually not the owner, you know. This is also the case because European Union many times said that He's the one who influenced everything and he also got the money. But it's not the business that there is written director, it's Babish. He just makes some trust funds, but there is no one else who, who is deciding. So when this part of media becoming bigger and bigger, many independent uh, uh, journalists left this part. Mm. So I think all the people who work there are, are first of all like the beginners. They are not good oriented 
or the people they don't care I will say actually so he's also um, working with the media a lot you also can see it on Facebook from for example my mother generation they are more in email you know so they are not so on social media so you can see that all the emails they are sending are from those media and always there is like it was not his fault and actually this guy made this or like um a green part type blame him blame him to do i don't know whatever uh so always it's someone else's fault but when something it's kind of like good or fine then he um went for the print conference or the press conference and then he say yeah i did this um uh, actually it's for me it's funny but it's <laughs> it's quite sad thing that uh as uh, other European countries, we have lack of the vaccination for COVID. And he always said like how much he found from, or how much he managed to get from Austria or I don't know, any other country. So it's his, you know, thing, what he found. Yeah. And uh, he, there is a government. Himself. Yeah, yeah. But there is a government, uh, like many people working, but he's the oh. one who is who, who try to get all the points. And with his um, monopoly or control over the media, are you worried for the up and coming election? Because it's now four years since I was in Prague. Well, nearly four years since I was in Prague. And you and Riaramir were voting then, so it would be coming up now. So is there a worry that he's going to manipulate the results with like more media attention since COVID and that sort of thing? I don't know. I'm really not the expert on the politician. I'm looking at uh, this thing from like the regular person living um, in Czech Republic. For example, we don't have TV. So I will say like more than average of the population watch TV. So uh, the way how I'm influenced, it's different. Uh, I know that the prognosis now said that the pirates and green, because there, it's good thing, I will say that now we have like two coalitions from different parties trying to make opposition or another choice for the people. So because for eight years I was in this election commission that it's checking the election in the region I'm living and we always have like 38 or 40 parties, you know, they are candidating in the parliament. So I think first thing is that it's really hard for the people to decide because you can't read 38 programs. As I saw many times, there is some prognosis at, at the end. It's quite different thing. Uh, I think nice thing, it's the election in a region. They were last year. This movement uh, after Babish, this political party, ANO, which is in English, yes. <laughs> uh, because their program, it's yes, uh, there will be much better life. So they lost a position of the region. So they were like the leader of the regions and they, they, they lost the power. So I think it's going to really good way because um, the party, it's interesting in a way that there is no program in a way like one year before election saying what are the main points. They are just making some uh, interviews with the people and after their opinions, they pick something for seniors, something for mothers, something for preschool. And this is such a program they made. 
And I think uh, interesting thing is that they promise many, many things, but uh, because the bureaucracy in Czech Republic, it's really hard. It's not easy to process it. So there are not so many changes. Mm-hmm. But as I said, many people are not like uh, representing any uh, political opinions. So I will say compared to the two weeks before election, they will like decide. It's not like nowadays they know uh, like what kind of party they vote for. Mm-hmm. So I hope that uh, it change. I think also that the system, I think it's not just in Czech Republic, uh, work like that, that the president give the power to someone to establish the government. So I think that Babish hope that Zeman will give him this power, no matter how many uh, votes he will get, because there is like a coalition of Greens and Pirates and uh, this Babish movement, and nowadays they have such a similar percentage. If it will be kind of like 50-50, so Babish definitely hope that Zeman will support him and make uh, him the prime minister again. Wow, so Uh, corrupt. You know, there there is such a weird thing, because uh, a president actually, he has no power to change um, ministers, you know. Mm -hmm. But months ago... Uh, that Zeman st- start in the media saying that he would like to change the Ministry of Health because he's against the Sputnik. And it's one week ago that there is new Ministry of Healthcare. And also he was definitely against the Ministry of the Foreign Affairs. And he's also gone. Uh, Prime Minister is the one who can change this position. So... It's such a big game is they are playing. In relation to what you were say, have been saying, particularly earlier about Babish's monopoly over the, the media, how do you feel like that affects the freedom of expression, like with Czech TV and the, um, the public radio and stuff? I think that my generation and the youngest, it's more on the social media or like internet. So... Like TV, it's more like some background that actually you have at home. Uh, but the youngest generation, or let's say 40 and younger, they are not going to elect. So the way how he worked in the printed media and the TV, it actually influenced the voters. Because before the Velvet Revolution, when we were part of the Soviet Union, there were no way how to not vote. There was a duty to vote and there were people knocking on their door every day, every morning, you know, with the box coming, you should vote for someone. So they, we, we always, that time there was like 99% or 98% of the population were electing. So the, those people, the seniors and the elders are the one who know they must go to vote. And they are still voting for communists and for those parties, they are populist. Or before this region election, every senior got 5,000 Czech crowns. Wow. Okay. <laughs> they just send it to them. So I'm, I was happy in a way that they lost their power. So even they try to corrupt <laughs> seniors. 
So let's move on now to talk a bit about the society and the social makeup in the Czech Republic and your experiences working um, in the government's social inclusion office. So yeah, can you just tell us what that was like and some of the challenges that the Czech Republic faces and different groups in the Czech Republic face? I need to say the first funny thing was that my position was called the expert and it always brings a lot of smiles is when I said I'm ex- expert from the government office because all the background and stuff I got in my work was uh, from some books and stuff because we don't have any experts on the government level. They will be able to educate people in region. One of the really important things is the wages and all the, let's say, state system, not just in a government office. Because for me, after finishing a university, uh, I didn't expect like so high salary. So it was fine for me to work there. But um, I'm living in Prague and I'm happy to live with the, in, in a flat with my husband. But if I will be such an independent person, actually hardly I can work in any NGO as I worked before or for the government. Um, the way, and it's the same suddenly in a schools, like for teachers, um, um, your salary, it's uh, getting higher the years you work in that part. So for example, if you work in the uh, private sector and after 10 years, you would like to bring your experience in the state sector, you start on the salary of like, <laughs> absolvent from the university so who will do that i was happy that my salary was paid from the money from european union that so i got like a quarter of my salary higher than uh, the normal officer get and even though uh, it wasn't so much so i think this is important thing to know that many people surrounded me work for the state like four or five six years maximal and then they left because always the private sector if you are a good worker and if you are expert (laughs) uh, you want to be paid for your work like regularly so maybe if you work for the government and you live in some uh, distant city like I don't know Brno Ostra or something that the wages are lower it's fine. But for Prague, that they are the main state offices, it's really like a joke. So I think this is the building block, how the institutions can't work. Because you, you don't have like good workers. Mm-hmm. You don't have people interesting in their works. Uh, we have now the law that if you have some, I don't know, summer job or uh, you work as a lecturer, you need to have permission from your boss if you work on, under the state law. So it's not easy to get some extra money, you know, if you want to work for that and get some extra money for, I don't know, teaching English or whatever. For that, you need to have some license and your boss at work need to allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm uh, teaching a Vietnamese student the Czech language. And I also have this conversation with my boss why I need to have this permission to do some extra work out of the government. So my work was based on the consultings in different regions to bringing European law. So I was helping to adapt the inclusion in the school system. 
that mean that every children has the right to go to the regular school mm -hmm. from the first degree. And uh, there is some system, we call it special schools. They are for people with mental health disabilities. And uh, nowadays you are sent in that special school if you fail in the normal school. But the system till, I don't know, 2018 works like that, that you, if you are from the family that parents um, see the education as a really important thing, they fight for you and they trying to make the access to the normal school. Mm -hmm. But if you are from some uh, different family that is dealing with different problems and they never pay attention what kind of school it was. So many kids from social excluded families were sent immediately in that special schools. Uh, even there were no proof they have some mental problems. Mm. If you are from the uh, family with good background, uh, when parents have enough time to prepare you to the school, you are interested in books, you are interested in reading, playing, and, for example, you know how to sit at the table and listen to the teacher. But not every family is like that. So uh, the tradition was that uh, in the um, communist time, a lot of parents from those families studied in that special schools. So mm. they actually had no problem when their children were sent in the same school. I, and I work in, in that office like 2017, 18, uh, till 2020. And I spoke with many directors and they were telling me like in this conversation, eye to eye, but the kids are happy in that schools. There is not so big pressure, you know, and compared to the other families, uh, they are, their parents are not supporting them. There will be a lot of problems in the further education and I don't know, blah, 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 many things. So as a Czech Republic, we are still facing big problem with the inclusion in society, in a whole society, I will say, because there are really big differences between the regions. Uh, um, it's not just about the wages, salaries, but it's more about the access to the uh, education in a way of all the public schools in the Czech Republic are for free. There are no scholarship that you pay. You you spend some money for, I don't know, like lunch or like, you know, some extra money. But still we have some families, they can't afford it. And the, uh, the schools, there are a lot of funds. They can get money for those kids. But it uh, means that the school needs to fill some application form, ask the parents, so they are always... Uh, the directors or the um, representative of the schools, they are explaining to me or to anyone who's who's trying to um, bring this idea of inclusion that the family feel the shame to say that they don't have the money. So, so they will not ask the parents because there will be no one interested in that support or with the minorities, it's more about the food we are um, bringing for lunch because they are Asian, for example, and they are more into rice and uh, we are more for potatoes and like some bread. 
So they are always trying to weigh how to support their opinion and not to do anything extra. Mm. Uh, problem also is that if you feel this pressure as a parent, even you send your children in a normal school, uh, if someone always gives you advice that you should send your children in a special school, to the special school, and you know from other parents that there is not pressure like that, you actually do that. So uh, now the restriction is that in a special school, in the first degree, to, in the first class, you definitely need to have some psychological um, research or some, I don't know, visit that actually prove some mental issue or any issue that you are not able to be in a collective. But a lot of teachers are really unhappy to have these children in a class and always trying to not support their families. We call it like a scissors, you know, that you open the scissors, that on one side of the scissors, they are this like a privileged uh, children from the family that almost have private teacher from, I don't know, two years and a babysitter and whatever. And on the opposite side of the scissors, there are some parents, they don't know where they will live the next month. So they are dealing with so many problems that there is no free time to deal with the education. And what I can see nowadays is that coronavirus just like, like market, you know, that you can see it much more because the families from the side of the, I don't want to just say poor families, but they are, a lot of them are really poor families or the families with the single mothers. They don't have really good internet connection. They don't have really good computers. So there are thousands of uh, children. They are out of the education more than one year. Uh, we are one of the country that closed for the longest period you can imagine. And now we have, it's like two weeks, the circulation system that one week you are in a school, one week you have online education, but some schools offer just two hours per day and the other you should do yourself. And uh, all the assistants and the special position that should help those children, they are just sitting in a school. No one is willing to go uh, and visit the children home. And also, it's really easy to say it's because of coronavirus. But I know some of the assistants, they are really active. They are visiting the families and helping them. But still, there is a lot of children. They will be not able to pass to the higher class. That even if you have someone who is helping, it's impossible to have help like 30 kids in the same time. So, so what I was dealing in my work was the discrimination, not just uh, for the minorities, but everything was around the uh, inclusion, around the education. And also one of my tasks was to educate the officers and the people from school department in that region. And it was really hard work because I don't know why it's like that, but in that region, they are the highest uh, social excluded uh, let's say localities or uh, there is a lot of those localities in the region if you look after the election who is in a let's say government in that region they are always populist so they were always against inclusion and they were like 
always finding the way to keep the system how is it now also if there was someone and it's the same in a school so i'm describing how work the region as a office but it's the same on the like macro and micro level of the school if you have one teacher or if you have one officer who is like pro inclusion the system always eat him you know there are just two options one is that you change your opinion or you change the job i just wanted to say for anyone listening that we go into a lot of detail in episode one of this series when we spoke to phil about the inclusion issues and discrimination against roma people i think if anyone listening wants a bit more information on that that's a really good resource to listen to Marketa, you yourself are an environmentally conscious person, but would you say that that's something that is, despite the other issues that the Czech Republic has to deal with, that climate change and uh, other environmental issues are something that is on the minds of the Czech population? I live happily in my social bubble, so I would like to say yes, <laughs> because all people surrounded me and people I know living in a region are really like pro-climate, but On the other hand, if you look at the government level, the access to all the deals and stuff and uh, um, the nuclear power and so on that we plan for next 50 years and everyone is explaining that it's the cheapest and the safest uh, way how to get the energy, suddenly I don't think that we are so good in that way of uh, environment. We have so much other things to deal with that the environment, it's not so high in that way. Just to bring the episode to a close, every week we ask our guests to give advice to listeners or lessons or takeaways. So Marketa, is there anything you'd like to tell people? Yeah, I would like to stay at the environment topic because uh, I can see that in last two years our household definitely changed a lot uh, we try and reduce a plastic as much as possible and one of the really good thing with a baby uh, coming in our family is that we were so aware of catching uh, coronavirus in shopping malls and all these places that we are just buying local products we have organized groups from people uh, in neighborhood I'm living and just beer suddenly it's one thing that we need to buy in a shopping mall because the small breweries are not able to produce in a glass nowadays and it's cheaper for them to put the beer in a plastic which is so disgusting that I can't drink a beer from plastic sorry but all the other thing like vegetable uh, meat milk whatever um This is something that even in Prague, we are able to get uh, without the plastic, without all this extra money, you pay this like middleman, you know, to bring the food in a mall. And I also see that um, it's not so hard to order things, you know, that, for example, today I wrote to our group that Friday we need to order butter. So every family nowadays are thinking how much butter for next two weeks we need. We put it together and we order like 15 kilos of butter and we just cut it on one place. And 
so so it's not like at the end of the day you are thinking what you will be baking and then you find you are missing four eggs and one butter and you go in a shop the way what we change is that we open the fridge and we cook from the things we have home and if we want some meat or something we just need to order it before and then we eat the things that we have home and uh it's not so big deal actually we save a lot of money because we are not buying all these chocolates and stuff that you always buy waiting for <laughs> in the line you know looking around what is there and i'm really happy that we support a lot of local farmers they are telling us the story how hard it's to sell nowadays because everything is closed they are really happy that we are organized as a group because they don't need to bring bring it to each household we have one place at monday that we are coming and taking it and also because all the shops and everything was closed when i when my baby was coming from those friends i got everything uh for magdalena like all the clothes old prom and everything so i think that the community life it's possible even in a city it just takes some time you definitely need to make friends and after you have friends you can fight for whatever you want and uh in the group we have people with quite different jobs and opinions and stuff but uh for us nowadays the main important thing is to make the environment for our children to learn them that this is the life we are living so it's not like we send them in a school to learn how they should act or what they should do but we are the ones showing them what should be done also yeah there was i think that person can live really nice life just you need to find some information and not always you need to listen to your parents <laughs> well said i think that that's such like a good life lesson for everyone to take that even in a city you can live a community life and the one tiny positive of coronavirus and things is that maybe we've like reverted back to more traditional ways of life but yeah thank you so much i think it's been really fascinating to learn a bit more about some of the more ingrained issues in the Czech Republic and also just to hear kind of about your role and the difficulties in that and and the kind of impact you've tried to have through doing such an important job so thank you so much Marketa and for Mel for bringing you to this conversation yeah, thank you uh, it was quite nice thing to think more about the political system i definitely should read something more <laughs> yeah i guess we all should but yeah Hopefully this makes any listeners question things a bit more and have a bit of a, have a, bit of a thing. So I hope that you visit that you both visit Prague soon again. Oh, we hope so too. Yeah. We'll be coming to see you and meet Magdalena as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If you are interested or concerned by any of the issues raised during this podcast then please get in touch at contact at earthrights.co.uk or visit our website www.earthrights.co.uk you can find full recordings of all of the episodes on most podcast platforms or on the Earthrights website referenced in the show notes we host a blog on there too as well as recommendations and other information Please also join in on the journey by following our Twitter and Instagram accounts at earthrights underscore. 
If you would like to be involved in an episode of the Earthrights podcast, then please also get in touch. This Earthrights podcast was hosted, produced and edited by us. Music and sounds were specially made for Earthrights by the Mowgli Wild Boys, who are currently recording a new LP at Circuit Studios in Nottingham. Please follow their Instagram and Facebook at Mowgli Wild Boys.